Do these taverns have names or just wait? You you said said names. Yeah, he he said Green Goblin, the Red Dragon, and the Blue Horse. That's my guess. I disagree. I disagree. I think that the first one is the Pied Piper, the second one is the Fat Dragon, and the third one is the Hornless Unicorn. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) they all work. I I can even disagree with you guys right there. Welcome to Witch Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we duck under T-Rex tails to build the best darn dino park in Draftosaurus. Next up, we skirt the dragon as we build the most epic dwarven team of heroes in Nadavalier. And lastly, crikey Mike, we curve round the dingoes to build the longest route through the outback in Down Under. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. Good day, mate. And Mike Grenier. <laughs> Good on ya. <laughs> wow. How was it? Terrible? It was uh, not bad, actually. Oh, no, 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 yours was pretty good. Right. This is one of the best ones, I think. Our first game up this week is Draftosaurus, designed by Antoine Bauza, Corentin Lebrot, Ludovic Maublanc, and Theo Riviere. Published by Ankama in 2019, number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up, playtime 15 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us, what's in the box? On the box cover, there are two touristy types going for a lovely stroll at the local dino park, smiling with delight as they take a selfie with a vicious T-Rex that roars and slobbers over their shoulder from an unsafe distance over a far too low wooden fence. <laughs> but only the dog in this picture seems concerned. <laughs> smart dog. Yeah, he's, he's smart. Inside, you'll find a pick bag, 60 dinosaur meeples, five double-sided player boards, and a six-sided die. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we see if there's also Jurassic-sized fun in that box, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Draftosaurus, players are zookeepers of the most remarkable zoo imaginable, a dinosaur zoo. The goal in Draftosaurus is to have the dino park most likely to attract visitors. To do so, you have to draft dino meeples and place them in pens that have some placement restrictions. For example, one pen holds one type of dino. Another pen holds only different types of dinosaurs. And another pen gives points for pairs of the same dinos, and so forth. There are six pens in all, and if all else fails, and you have no legal placements, dinos can always go for a swim in the river, worth one victory point. Each turn, one of the players rolls a die, and this adds a constraint to the other players. There are two different types of zoos to choose from. Just flip your tableau for a whole new set of placement conditions and restrictions. The zookeeper with the highest scoring total has willed into reality that which was only a recent dream, the best dinosaur zoo in the world. Reality strikes. (laughs) Well, we played this game on Board Game Arena uh, in all its colorful glory, but we didn't actually get to touch any of those awesome dino meeples. No, no, dino meeples! (laughs) I want them! (laughs) <laughs> I'd say the, the video version, though, did have pretty good representations of them, like little 3D cutouts that look exactly the same as the uh, tabletop version. I played a little bit of overtime with uh, one of our fans, 
Uh, oh yeah, that didn't get a chance, but uh, yeah, I jumped on. I played the other side of the board, and that was also pretty cool. It had a couple different rules to it. The box time says fifteen minutes, but you can knock out a game in five minutes, easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I imagine the physical version has a little bit more time. Could the athlete have to go and get and pick them out of the bag and stuff? Because he got a big bag Ooh. of meeple that you got to draft yeah. them from. So that's a little extra time, but it's, it's. I think that's fun. That's worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any game that comes with a pick bag is great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Agreed it's not true, me. but I, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there's bad no, ones you're out right. there. You're right. <laughs> but that pick bag does make it rather random, right, Mike? You know, it is a draft. So once they're picked, they're going around the table. You can kind of pay attention to what might come back to you, and you really pay attention to what the other players are doing. But the random die can lock you out from something you might expect to be able to do a couple turns later. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's tricky. a lot of rolling and praying. <laughs> <There it is. laughs> Except on your turn. That's the good thing. If it's your turn to roll, doesn't matter what you roll. It's only a restriction for everybody else. So that mm. turn you can kind of plan for. Yeah, you get like a free turn when it's your turn to roll. Free meaning that you can place, you have no restrictions on your placements. You can pretty much go anywhere you want on your board. Yeah. A very cool idea. And you can see why that's an important part of the game. Otherwise, it's, a, it's just a free-for-all and really with no limitations, then it's just, you know, it, there wouldn't be much of a game. There has to be those restrictions. Yeah, it forces you to strategize like specific placements because you kind of want to leave a couple available spaces depending on what comes up. Mm-hmm. So because certain pens, like you can just add more stuff to it and it doesn't really take away from what you want to do. But if you have a certain kind, all of one certain kind of pen filled up already, then on your turn, you might not have the ability to put it in another pen that it might fit into, and you just end up tossing your dinosaur in the river. Okay, uh, so now, select should roll the bathroom die, so who has the toilet side. I'll place it on the right side of the river. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm on the bathroom side. I mean, <laughs> I'm always want to be on the bathroom side. For some people, the bathroom and the river are the same thing. Yeah, it can be difficult to do, but yeah, a good idea to leave yourself options. So like, okay, if it goes, if I have this or this, I can be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, this way, if a die comes up with a restriction, you'll hopefully have another place to do things. Yeah, I always, I did love that the default was putting your dinosaur in the river. Like that doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem safe to me. <laughs> yeah, oh, a T Rex just throw him in the river. Goes for a swim. <laughs> I mean, I see people on the board there are picture there's a picture of people walking over the bridge over the river yeah and i'm just thinking what are those dinosaurs get i hope they're not hungry well even by the box cover picture i mean these people don't seem too concerned for their safety right (laughs) (laughs) well they're clearly violating the rules on the cover i mean the guy the sign right there on the cover said do not do what you're doing no it's a it's a, a person with his hands up in the air and a dinosaur roaring at him with a big red circle and slash through it which could mean any number of things it could be no yelling <laughs> at dinosaurs it could be i don't know what that's that could be a do sign not- to tell the dinosaur not to go over the fence exactly. I mean, we it could, stay behind the it fence. could be a rule do not feed yourself to the dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> we don't know it's very yeah, vague that's that's always a great strategy for liability uh, when running a park, an amusement <laughs> <Yeah>. park. <laughs> a vague signage. Yeah. Just hope the attendees do the right thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> Humans usually make good decisions, so I think that's a great plan. Especially Definitely. when they're on vacation. <laughs> and when, when they're trying to go viral with things, absolutely. <laughs> Only the best ideas come to those people. I've never seen a selfie that was in a dangerous situation before. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Selfies are always so pedestrian. You want to be mundane. remembered on the internet? <laughs> you ain't going to get that way by playing it safe. Yeah, be the one who's snapping your camera as you fall off the cliff. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I have no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> Splash. Dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> but a big well. part of the game is paying attention to what the others are doing because, true, true. Hey, hey, you're hoarding all the greens. I probably don't want to try to hoard green also because that probably is going to work out bad for both of us. Or you might, if you're before them, you might take a green so they don't get that extra bonus for having so many greens in a row in that specific pen uh red t-rex is worth an additional point is that is that correct yeah each one yeah that you play. the t-rex is worth, worth an extra point so you could see why a lot of people might want to go for red dinosaurs mm-hmm. red t-rex is in their pens because you get those extra points so beware there's a space mm-hmm. on your board for placing a single dinosaur where if you don't place any more of that dinosaur anywhere else on your board you get a lot like seven points for that seven points yeah. and mm-hmm. so i figured i would put my t-rex into that spot thinking everybody else is going to try to grab up T-Rex because they're worth extra points. Um, but yeah, they were getting left behind all over the place. I was very surprised by that. Mm. It's much harder than it initially looks to mm. keep to keep only one copy of that dinosaur on yeah. you. You're like, I just right. won't pick it. Oh no, there's so many times you're forced to take a particular dinosaur. Oh, one point. I got 31. I'm proud I of myself. I cannot master this game. I would have won if my no stupid can. king of the jungle got it. So I, I felt like there was just enough to think about between your turns. Just enough to keep you occupied during other people's turns. And then if you want to go that extra step and start watching other people's boards, you could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't too distracting, and and also there wasn't a lot of time between each player's turn, mm-hmm. so it was just enough time for engagement. I, I agree with that. It's not like hard to do it. You just look over the table and say, well, what <laughs> colors you got over there? That's a little hard when you're running trivia and scrolling around board games <laughs> sure, sure, sure. and trying but, to see if your camera's working. And <laughs> That is us on board game arena, arena and on game night, but physically... Mm-hmm. I can imagine it's all around a small table. Everybody yeah. can see the little board pretty easily. Everybody yeah. probably side-eyeing everybody about, no, what dino you're going to take from the draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the difference yeah. in the table, too, is that you see the drafts that you're moving to the left, and they stay on the table. And also, I think it's a little easier to be a little fair with the computer. Well, somebody did dive it into a bag. The meeples are actually have nice, cool, different shapes. I can see somebody trying to feel for a rat. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Cheating. That's interesting. Yeah. That's true. Well, we know how bad we know how that really doesn't work too well when we try to identify how many picks no, no. were on a die. <laughs> no, it's you, true. You, your, your tactile senses are not nearly as good as you think they are. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys remember the very first time you saw dinosaur meeples in your life? No. Uh, I I'll remind you, and when you when I say it, mm-hmm. you're gonna be like, "That's right." I'm gonna kick myself mm-hmm. here. What is it? 
Flintstones chewables. Oh, well, those <laughs> wow. aren't meeples, but yes, you're right. <laughs> of course they are. Yeah, I mean, they're not meeples, but they are meeples. Right. I th- you right. know what? That's the reason why Evan sees candy in all the board games. It's those yeah. darn I mean, Flintstones chewables. I mean, tell me these things don't look like Flintstones chewables, I mean, please. okay, okay. Come on. <laughs> I hear Edible meeples. That is the next wave. Edible meeples. Yes. Oh, that's a good idea. Replacement yeah, parts. It's a money Play maker. the game, then eat the game. They've got to buy a new <laughs> set every single time they play. <laughs> oh, I love man. it. <laughs> okay, explorers. It's time to dig up or bury Draftosaurus. Mike? Draftosaurus was light and fun, had just the right amount of interplayer engagement. Um, and a good balance of strategy and a little bit of randomness. So I thought it was great for like a starter or filler game. And I'll dig that up. Ed? This is a nice looking and cute game. The gameplay is simple, while just enough choices to keep you occupied for a bit. So I'll dig her up to draft some more Dino Meeple! <laughs> Evan? Draftosaurus is quick, it's fun. Every game is different. The combinations are plenty. The little dino meeples are so cool. Nothing wrong with this game. Dig it up. If we're talking theme, I like this game better than Tiny Epic Dinosaurs. I thought the pacing and choices were better balanced for the same humorous theme. So I'm definitely digging this up. And if you have thoughts about Draftosaurus, come chat with us anywhere on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, any social media. And you can watch our playthrough from Board Game Arena on YouTube. Facebook. Uh, Facetube. Face <laughs> Facebook and YouTube. YouTube. Sure. You book and Facetube. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> hey, everybody. We are getting so close. It is right around the corner. Doo-doo. Our board game design conference is here. Yes. It is your probably the last couple weeks, if not the last week, to get tickets. Uh, they're available right now. And it's this conference is for everybody. It's not a conference we're hosting. It's a conference we're running. So it's the Board Game Design Conference 2021. We have amazing industry talent lined up for you. You'll get the opportunity to even Q&A everybody, including our keynote speaker. Yep. Our keynote speaker is Reiner Nesia. And he is awesome. We've played several of his games on Which Game First, a board game podcast, and we <laughs> love them. <clears throat> and he's joining other great experienced game industry professionals so that they can teach you all about everything you pretty much wanted to know about game design. Mm -hmm. And here's the best part. You don't need to leave your house to see it. It's virtual. (laughs) It's online. It's at your computer. Show up with, you know, in your jammies, whatever you want. Man, we should have called this the Pants Off Conference. I think we missed an opportunity. (laughs) Different kind of conference. (laughs) Yeah, we have um, 12 seminars running over three weekends starting on May 7th. There's going to be recordings of them all, so don't forget if you do miss it, but you still have a ticket, you can check out the recordings after the fact. Our guy Grant Lyon is going to be doing a pre-show warm-up. He's a hilarious guy. We love him. He's also going to be in our 15-minute opener. We're doing a big opener to the show. Come and see us. It'll be great. We're really excited about just kicking off this conference, and we'll be in and out of all of these seminars to moderate, do Q&A. There's big Q&As at the end of every session, so you'll even get a chance to talk to everybody. We believe in supporting our indie designers and giving them educational opportunities and uh, grow our network. Woo-hoo. So we're here to help you play to win. 
<laughs> Martin Wallace will be joining us as a special guest known for Asia Steam and lots of black cubes. Yeah! <laughs> black cubes, black cubes, <laughs> Martin Wallace. So mark your calendars now. The Board Game Design Conference may just be the most informative event you attend this year. It's Board Game Design Conference. Dot com. You can go right now and grab your very affordable ticket. Head to BoardGameDesignConference.com, hosted by Which Game First, and we will see you there. See you, see there. you there. Our next game up this week is Nadavalier, designed by Serge Legay. Published by GRRRE Games in 2020, number of players 2 to 5, ages 10 and up, playtime 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box depicts a dramatic dwarf at the foot of a mighty mountain screaming to the heavens as a magnificent (laughs) dragon glides listlessly by in the distance. (laughs) The treasures hidden within this box are 86 cards, including miners, warriors, hunters, blacksmiths, and explorers, 21 hero cards, five royal offerings, five distinction cards, a special blacksmith distinction card, 25 base starter coins, one special hunter distinction coin, 34 (laughs) royal treasure coins, five (laughs) basic gems, and one special minor distinction gem. And that's what's in the box. Before we grab our great axes and cue our epic soundtrack for our slow-mo (laughs) walk-in, Evan, tell us. How's it played? That's my oh, dwarf. The voice. Ear. <laughs> That's Evan's dwarf. Voice. Darn it! I want to do mine over in a dwarven voice now. <laughs> <laughs> the Davalier, the dwarf kingdom. It is threatened by the dragon Fafnir. You have been appointed by the king, the king of dwarves, the dwarf of kings, to search <laughs> through every tavern in the kingdom and hire the most skillful dwarves, recruit the most prestigious heroes, and build the best battalion you can to defeat your mortal enemy. Oh yeah. Each turn in the Davalier, bid a coin on each tavern. In descending order, choose a character and add this character to your army. Each dwarf class has its own scoring way. Blacksmith, hunter, warrior, explorer, and miner. A meticulous recruitment will allow you to attract a powerful hero to your army. You will also be able to increase the value of your gold coins, thanks to the smart coin-building system. But enough chit-chat from me. Let's figure <laughs> out if this game is worth all the gold under the feet of the dragon. Get to and the treasure. And that's my way of saying, I did not actually play this game, so oh. I can't wait to hear what my co-hosts have to say about it. <laughs> we missed you, Evan. Yeah, we you missed, sure did. Yeah, I was missed. We but. played this game on Board Game Arena. You can see our playthrough on Facebook or YouTube right now. Uh, how did it look on Board Game Arena, guys? It looked good. As you can see, the the, the card art in there, the card, uh, they had a nice little board with all the coins there, almost like the physical game, you know? I was, I did think it was an interesting choice to have the black and white art, even though this is a color-based game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also, um, accessible because there's little symbols under the colors so that you can see. If you're colorblind or anything, you can see the uh, how to put the groupings together. That's good. I did think it was interesting. It took me a little while, though, to really notice the colors well. It was kind of nice, though, that the colors that were 
important on the card were the only colors there because it helped you to link together what those cards were going to be used for. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So every, so colors acted as a code of sorts. Yeah. Yes. It was a way to group, almost like suits. Mm-hmm. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And you're right. That, that Then the black and white artwork, which you can admire of all the dwarves, makes a lot more sense. It definitely gives it that gritty, rustic, dwarven look. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I kind of almost think of dwarves in black and white anyway, so right. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> because you would see them pretty much in gray shades because they're underground so often. <laughs> and, they're so almost, they, and they're like charcoal uh, drawings, yeah. right? Is that well, that's the dark vision, right? Yeah, ah. that's a good representation <laughs> of dark. The line art of the, the dwarves is so detailed and so rich. It does give you an idea of the kind of person you're gathering because each of these types of dwarves do different things. So it indicates it helps to inform you as to what type of points you're going for. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mike, how do you think that the theme, the dwarven theme was informative? I wish it was a little more informative because I actually love stories about dwarves and like their culture and stuff. But the way that you scored each of the different dwarves wasn't that much different from each other. So I didn't feel like a miner was doing stuff like a miner would do or, you know, I just didn't. And it didn't even need to be dwarves in this, honestly. It could have been any five professions put into there and it wouldn't have really changed much about the way this game plays. Well, I think the font is very dwarven. (laughs) That's true. Uh, I'll I'll give it to the look is very thematic, I think. I thought the look was thematic and the, the coins were really cool and... The, the different uh, placard for the three different taverns you have to go visit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you lay them out differently if we were playing this in person, right, Ed, the coins? Well, the coins have a nice little uh, rack. So you have them all laid up so you can see the different coins because Neat. you get to upgrade your coins as you play. So they're on display for you to see. They're, they're tempting you. Come kinda, and get me the 20 coin or the 23 coin. Yeah, they're kind of standing up in a little rack. There's a little a psychological component yeah. to that. And you're almost kind of wondering how you're going to get there. I mean, starting with a five, it's my biggest coin. How am I going to get to a 23? Jeez. I got there. I got to 24. I must choose a coin to upgrade. Ah, it doesn't have to be. One, oh, it can oh, be Oh, it could any. be also one of the ones you put down already. Gotcha, and, gotcha, and gotcha. About oh, to be bid. Oh, so you can change what's going on in the next right. column. That's interesting. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I'll that's do that. Cool. Thank you very much. Bum, 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 bum. Ah, oh, Celeste got over. it by one point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I wonder Painful. if I went the other way, I might have been a point better. <laughs> <laughs> If we had played it in person, I would have realized a little sooner that these coins were kind of unique. Some of them had two or three copies, but in general, that tray of coins was just single, like 20 or 21 or whatever. It's, there's mm-hmm. only one copy of it. It can't be a bunch of people that's, that have the same coin. Mm-hmm. So it, it avoids a lot of ties that could happen. Very clever. Now, what did you guys think of the scoring? Well, add variety. It kind of reminds me of Seven Wonders, where... You're, you know, you can go for different types of things to collect because you're essentially bidding to collect sets. And so it's like, oh, I'm going to go for the, you know, say the, the warrior strategy, which is you know, straight up points. Like, hey, that's, you know, 15 points. I'm just going to grab them because these 15 points. Just add them up. Simple. Or you can go for the, the blacksmith where it's like, yeah, the more of those I get, the more points there were. So the more the merrier. And then 
when I score a hero, I'm going to get that blacksmith to make even more bonus <laughs> points. <laughs> but like in a lot of games too, you know, if there's two people going for the same strategy, it could really knock both of them out of the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which happened to me and Ed. <laughs> and there's always going to be a little bit of that because there's a, a benefit to collecting at least a little of everything because that's how you get your heroes. Right. You have to have a set across the board of one of each profession. Mm-hmm. And then then you have to another threshold of two and then three. You know, so it mm-hmm. becomes hard to, to get a whole set and to get people that are worth a lot of points individually. Yes, right. You've got to split your goals between racking up a whole bunch of greens and getting three blue, three purple, three greens yeah. so you can get three heroes. Right. Mm-hmm. And like some of the, for example, some of the blue ones are worth 11 points by themselves. But if you mm-hmm. get the blue hero by going all the way across the board, you can end up with a 20 point card in your in your stable instead. Oh, an epic uh, uh, yeah. win in there. <laughs> Wish I got. <laughs> yeah, the heroes are very powerful. You can't ignore them. That is not a strategy. <laughs> yeah, ignore them at your peril, right. Yeah. <laughs> ignore the dwarven heroes. I know Mike was having fun uh, getting into the role playing by naming the taverns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the taverns, like many old school taverns before everybody could read, didn't have a name printed on each of them. So one of them was supposedly called like the something, the happy goblin. I can't remember what it was supposed to be called, but of the course, laughing goblin. The laughing goblin. I called it the Pied Piper because it was looked like he had a pipe. He <laughs> yeah, he's dancing. dancing. Yep. And the uh, mm-hmm. the red, the dread dragon one. I called it the fat dragon just because he had a really wide belly. He was mm-hmm. a little low. He was chubby. Yeah. He's just a bad angle. Yeah, he's just yeah, day. exactly. It was, it was a very <laughs> yeah. unflattering picture yeah. to be on a sign. And uh, the last one was a purple horse, and I just called it the hornless unicorn. At the Laughing Dwarf. That's my home. That's my home spot. Laughing, laughing goblin. goblin. That's why you got it wrong. They kick you out. Yep. They kick you out. <laughs> this is a Laughing Dwarf. Don't Jeez. tell me what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and the Prancing Pony is what I went with. But yeah. Of course. Classic, Aww. classic. <laughs> Good Careful, choice. Ed. Good They're going to come after us. <laughs> <laughs> Tolkien's, Tolkien's arms are long. They reach far. Reach beyond the grave. <laughs> what do you mean? Is that the Tolkien reference? What? The, 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 the prancing, prancing pony? pony? Yeah, yeah the prancing <laughs> yeah, pony. Yeah. Well, you just don't... don't remember where you remember it from. That's all. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's where they met Strider. Remember? <laughs> no, no, I was playing off. I was playing up. Yes, right, right. That's right. Ed doesn't oh, okay. know. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah. Right. that's gonna You're help with the lawsuit. Your Honor, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone, it's time to dig up or bury Nedavalier. Ed. This game starts with everyone with the same resources, leaving you to race and bid your way to the best dwarf. <laughs> there seem to be many more strategies to explore here, so I'll dig this up to raise a dwarven army again. Huzzah! <laughs> Mike? It was a fine set collection game, <laughs> and I was excited by the premise of dwarves, <laughs> but I was disappointed at how little the theme showed through. It isn't a bad game, but I think I'll have to bury it. <laughs> oh. You sound a little like the MC from Epic Rap Battles, your dwarf. You invoked a little Sean Connery. In I you. did I like have it. a little Connery mixed well, yeah, in there. Thank you, you for you noticing. You have to have a little Connery yeah. in your yeah. I liked it. <laughs> Evan? Evan did not play this game. Oh, that's but right. But I will someday. <laughs> 
Hmm, this makes me want to start a group of dwarven adventurers. <laughs> Don't be intimidated by the many scoring options. Following your instinct through play will get you a long way. Building the right tableau to win. It's a fun set matcher. Dig it up. Mm. <laughs> you had a little dwarven pirate action in there. I Thank think. you. Yeah. <laughs> I know I did. There are dwarven pirates. <laughs> there are, of course. Yeah. yeah. Short beard. Uh, <laughs> and, you know. almost, all my, almost all my roleplay characters yeah. are sailors. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Hammer. <laughs> if you have thoughts about Nadavalier or anything about epic dwarves, uh. come and talk to us anywhere on social media. Our last game up this week is Down Under, designed by <laughs> Gunter Cornett, published by Bambus Spielverlag. Number of players, two to four, ages eight and up. Playtime, 30 minutes. Crikey, Mike, tell us what's in the box. <laughs> the cover shows cave paintings of various animals enjoying a campfire amid the starry Australian desert skyline. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I want to do the rest of it without the rostrack. Inside the box, you'll discover four billabong tiles. Ugh, that was bad. <laughs> that was awesome, actually. <laughs> so awesome. And 72 path tiles consisting of four sets of 18 tiles each, with seven straight cross paths, nine curved paths, and two terminal tiles. And that's what's in the box, mate. Crikey, before we start hacking our way through the bush, Evie, Dex us some rules. <laughs> Evie. Thank you, Sheila. Down Under's a tile placing game where players place their tiles trying to add to their route. <laughs> the longer the route, the more points you earn. Players with the longest route at the game is the winner. As tiles also contain animals, players score or lose extra points for having groups of specific animals in their trade route. It's an easy to learn game with lots of twists. Get it? I made up that joke on the fly. Time to get down understanding this game. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Wow. Well, I don't think Witch Game Versus ever had to apologize to an entire continent before. Yes, all 23 million of you. Very, oh, very, very sorry. Yeah, very sorry. That, that was, very, that was sorry. Yeah. very, very sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Took a machete to that one. All right. <laughs> what are we doing? Okay, <laughs> yes. Without a love. We do. There's a game here. <laughs> we played Down Under. On yukata.de. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on. Oh, I yeah. defy anyone to play this game and not crack an Australian accent at some point during yeah. the course of the game. <laughs> yeah. That That is just impossible. To be honest, there's not much else to do, is there? <laughs> in this game? Okay. Come on, Celeste. There's two types of tiles. <laughs> there, there are two types of tiles. The front and the back. <laughs> well, there's three types of tiles, that's right. Oh, well, yeah. Whoa. You're right, because there's curved right, and there's straight and terminals. Mm, yeah, so I guess the right. terminals. Ed yeah. brings us and back after to it. the fourth one, which is the uh, the billabong. Oh yeah. yeah, we didn't use the billabong in our game, but yeah. Oh one. man, I looked didn't. up what billabong means. Do you guys know what billabong means? Is it like swamp or pond? Watering or hell. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a pond inside of the not the bush. 
There's another word uh, for it, but anyway, it's on a, any outback. kind of big dirt patch. It's a mm-hmm. pond on the dirt patch. So is this a complicated game, Ed? Uh, no, it's it's about as simple as it gets. Hey, lay down a tile and continue your path. That's it. Yeah. Each of the tiles has kind of two different colored paths on it. One's a gray path and one is the color of your personal color uh, mm-hmm. path on there. And they're never connected to each other. So when you when you connect a tile, you're putting your colored tile onto the end of a gray tile that's part of your already existing road. And it'll leave another gray patch that somebody else might be able to connect into. The, the basic premise is very simple. You have your starting tile, you place it, and then you must extend that route. Every time you're putting down a tile, it's one of your colored pieces with your colored road on it. And you must extend that route from either end using your colored piece of the, the tile you put down. It is that simple. You can connect the gray if you want to, as long as it hasn't been connected by another player's color. Yeah, yeah. I made that mistake. I thought that it was you connect when you connect a gray to a gray, it became yours. No, you have to connect your color to a gray in order. Yeah. For it. So all I did was set mm. it up for Ed to get extra gray. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I went first, so all I did was give somebody an extra point right off the bat as a first player. Oh, it's so hard to stop players from benefiting off your tiles. It's a frustration of this <laughs> mm-hmm. game, almost. Mm-hmm. But but you can stop people's paths by putting your path in their way, right, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, yes. Yeah, there's right. there's a little strategy there where you're kind of looking to where your road is going to eventually go, and you can kind of cut part of the board off by putting your path at kind of an angle across the corner. And then you'll mm-hmm. have exclusivity to that whole corner because nobody will be able to tap into it. But mm-hmm. that's, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of strategy beyond something like that, though. It's a little tricky to pull off because, uh, as you said, every tile you put down is also opportunities for other players to connect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> In the uh, There is an animal version of this game, too, where each tile has different animals printed on them. And it adds a little bit of the rules, but we kind of played the simplest version, so I don't want to be overly critical about that, because it seems like there might be a little more to think about in that version. Yeah, I think it's necessary, though, because in the very first time playing, we figured it was good not to use it, because you got to learn. There's a little bit of nuance learning, oh, so this is how the game wants you to build paths, and this is how it goes. But once you played your first game, you kind of know all the ins and outs of building a route. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not much. So I think for a second playthrough or more, you need those animals in order to actually give it a little more variety. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I think it would get a little too boring. Yeah, it adds a whole new game type. It's not just now a path-making game. It's also a set collection game. I mean, I like the way the animals looked on the tiles. They were, they're, all, they're all over these tiles, so it would have been nice to make use of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Otherwise, is, the blue rabbit is just in your way. Yeah, it has kind of a, a tribalish look to it. The art, so and I thought that was cool and kind of appropriate for this game. I think the art is actually based on the Aboriginal style. Oh, that's that's pretty cool then. Well, there you go. So, Team Joe Celeste, I'm going to call you guys because Joe did have to jump in for a little bit. Yeah, Joe and I were tag teaming this. Yeah. Game. <laughs> um, Joe was really fixated on. After you left, he made a straight line right down the middle of the board with his. Yeah, hey, his path. I'm not saying that wouldn't have been my strategy too, because it probably would have been. <laughs> it could have been, yeah. Um, it didn't seem to work out in this particular case, but yeah, it looked nice. 
It did look nice. It was the shortest route to get from point A to point B, that's for sure. My road was meandering all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, I was saying, you know, uh, Google GPS wouldn't have even recognized that road (laughs) getting from point A to point B. (laughs) So I'm I'm, I'm reluctant to compare it to Carcassonne. Mm -hmm. But when you compare it to Carcassonne, it's Carcassonne light. Yeah, it's one third (laughs) of Carcassonne, basically. (laughs) I mean, whereas Carcassonne takes place in the um, uh, meadows and fields of France, this takes place in Australia. But <laughs> not, <laughs> right. not, not necessarily trying to compare the two, but I you could, I can't help but think of Carcassonne a little bit when I yeah. played this game. I mean, road building is is the basis is all of this game and and just a big part of Carcassonne. Yeah, there's definitely more going on in Carcassonne though. But it does have two sides, right? Oh, that's right. But it does have two sides because it has another game on the other side of the pieces here. That's what? pretty cool. What's the name of the game? Stuart Stony Desert. Stuart's oh. Stony Desert? Is it a completely yep. different game or does it play the same? It is a completely different game and uh, it comes in the box with it. Two oh. games in one. Darn it. I think we missed out. I didn't realize that. So is the other side the black and white? Yes. Tiles, it looks really cool. The black and white ones look very like old sketch drawings. Yeah. Like cave paintings or something. Yeah. Chalk on a blackboard. Yeah. I wonder if Stuart's Stony Desert was better than Down Under. (laughs) Well, it gives us another chance to review another game. Yeah, that's true. Well, if Sparhawk put it up. Yes. Sparhawk. Sparhawk. (laughs) I don't think it's on Yukata when I look. Oh, well. We'll just Aww. have to imagine it now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's still a chance Evan can get it, procure sure. a physical copy of Down Under, oh, yeah, just sure. sorry, just so we can play Stuart's Stony Desert. <laughs> <Good. laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we'll just reach out to the uh, the good Australian folks at Bambus Spieleverlag. <laughs> uh, you know your your average Australian name there, and Gunter Cornet. So okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a German company. Oh yeah. Oh thanks, Ed. Wow. Right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> down under ya. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury down under. Evan? Down under is probably the most basic tile placing game we've reviewed on which game first. But the ratio of simplicity to brain burn I found high. <laughs> I had a lot to think about actually in this game with my tile placement. So that's why I'm going to dig it up. Ed? I'm a bit on the fence with this game. It was interesting to build a route and take advantage of the options left by your opponent, but I'm not so sure it has the legs to keep my interest plus another play or two. But since I'm thinking about playing one more time, <laughs> I'll dig it up for now. Yes. All right. <laughs> Mike? We played the simplest version of this, and I don't know, I think it might have even been too simple for me. I may give it another go, but for now, I I have to bury it. I definitely want to dig this game up to try out the animal variation for sure. It Mm. helped my interest enough for that. So, dig it up. If you have thoughts about Down Under, come and talk to us anywhere on social media. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Reach out to us anywhere. We are on Discord, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. MySpace. MySpace. And if you'd like more 
perks and content from this show, from us. You can go to our website and become a supporter today for access to dozens of episodes of our weekly patron-only podcast. Bonus 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 points. Including a few full episodes of Which Game First, only available to patrons. Go to our website, click on Become a Supporter Today for only $3 a month. And if you get a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, a heart, a review, a comment, a shout out anywhere online. Point to us from your Instagram to ours. It really helps others find the show. Join us at the Board Game Design Conference. We'll see you there. It's right around the corner. Yes, Board Game Design Conference. Happy gaming, explorers. Good on you, mate. And now we'll fight the dragon. Come to us. (laughs) Cry. And that's time up on that trivia question. And I'm going to play Nailed It for everybody because it was a trick question. April Fool's, they're all correct. Oh, yeah. So, Tolkien fan nailed it. Oh, nailed it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Joe nailed it. It has been nailed. Jack nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Don't forget, nailed it. Yeah, baby, 